0: This is Regenerative Skills, the podcast helping you to learn the skills and solutions to create an abundant and connected future. I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher. Hey everybody and welcome back. It's been a wild couple of weeks for me and as a result, I am struggling a little bit to catch up. I recently wrapped up the five-day regenerative design course at the Green Rebel Farm in Miravet, Spain. And then the three-day climate farming conference at Schloss Kirchberg in Germany. And now I'm on a short break visiting the small farm of a good friend of mine in Dessau between events helping out with an agroforestry design before then a week-long team retreat with the climate farmers team in Brandenburg. Then of course when I get back I've got tree planting events lined up in the Pyrenees and then I'll be facilitating a course in Tuscany on restoring hydrological function to the landscape with Zach Weiss and Lorenzo Costa. So maybe by the end of November, things will calm down in time for my partner and I to actually move into our new property, which we were finally able to sign the papers on after a year of paper and admin work. So all of that is to say that though I've got plenty of great interviews lined up for you, I might be a little bit irregular in releasing the episodes over this next month. But enough about me. This week, I am thrilled to present the first in a two-part series exploring the topic of building true resilience in agriculture. Resilience is often thought of as the ability to bounce back from a disturbance or a challenge, but in these two episodes, we're gonna dig deeper and not only broaden the theory of true resilience, but also look into case studies of growers and land stewards who are building lasting resilience on their farms. So to help me to understand all of this better and to give practical advice that all of us, even those that don't work directly with the land, can use in our lives, I had a wonderful conversation with Laura Legnick. Laura is an award-winning soil scientist with 30 years of experience working as a researcher, policymaker, educator, activist, and farmer to put regenerative values into action in the U.S. food and farming system. Her research in soil health and regenerative farming systems was nationally recognized with the USDA Secretary's Honor Award in 2002, and she was a lead author on the 2013 USDA report, Climate Change and Agriculture in the United States, Effects and Adaptation. Since 2015, Laura has led research and planning projects exploring agricultural climate solutions, developed carbon management plans for organizations, and designed and discovered climate risk management workshops for farmers. Laura is also the author of the second edition of her award-winning book, Resilient Agriculture, Cultivating Food Systems for a Changing Climate, in which she explores climate change, resilience, and the future of food through the adaptation stories of 45 sustainable, organic, climate-smart, and regenerative farmers and ranchers across the U.S. Back in 2021, Laura joined the Glenwood Center for Regional Food and Farming as the Director for Agriculture, and you can also learn more about Laura and her work at cultivatingresilience.com. Now, in the first part of this series, we'll explore how changes in climactic patterns and rise in temperatures are affecting farmers around the world and how they can understand the risks they'll likely encounter in the coming decades. We also talk about the unique sensitivities that each landscape and farm has and how you can use this understanding to build your own resilient capacity. Now thanks to my partnership with New Society Publishers, who publish Laura's book, as well as many other invaluable volumes centering around topics of regenerative living, Listeners of this show who are also signed up for our Discord community can now win either a physical or a digital copy of Resilient Agriculture over the next two weeks. It's super simple to be eligible to win. All you have to do is sign up for free on the Discord server, either on the homepage on our website at regenerativeskills.com or through the link in our bio on Instagram. And once you're in, just send me a direct message letting me know that you'd like to win a copy of the book, and I'll enter you to the drawing, which I'll do a week after the second part of this interview. So with all of those details out of the way, I will now hand things over to Laura Legnick. So welcome, Laura. It's such a pleasure to finally get to speak to you. How are you
1: doing? How are things in New York? I'm doing great this morning. We're in, uh, and things are are good in new york we are in sort of the most beautiful part of the fall season so the the leaves are just glowing out there Our all our livestock here and and our vegetables too actually are fat and happy and uh pastures are looking great so yeah doing well here
0: Oh, that's so good to hear. I know so many farmers have had a really tough season. I'm so glad to hear a story of someone's land and, and livestock doing really well at the moment. Plus the fall colors. I mean, that's what upstate New York is famous for, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, and just to to add a little more richness to my, my positive report, we were in an extreme drought this summer. Wow. And... Uh, it's been amazing to watch. We had literally th- almost 3 months with no rain at all and really several heat waves. And our pastures, the, the way that folks described it here and I agree, was it, it looked like California in the dry season. Our pastures wow. were utterly brown or yellow, just it was incredible. Um and then the rain started and it was so uh satisfying to watch our land just respond to that that rain and you know that's an example for me of the resilience of regenerative grazing in this case we we do uh, intensive grazing on all of our farm on our farm Uh, we have about 80 acres or so of of pastures that have been intensively grazed now for many years so really right right here right now what we watched the landscape come back and when the rain started again. So that's got a lot to do with why I, I'm so upbeat at the moment. If we'd been talking maybe in mid August, I'd be wondering <laughs> how things are going.
0: Oh man, so, I can imagine. Well, that's really yeah. good to hear. And, and we're definitely gonna explore deeper into these systems and techniques for, for resilience. But let's start at the beginning. Laura, could you tell me how you got into farming in the beginning? Is this something that you have a history of in your family or did you come into it later in life?
1: I, I have a history in my family. Um, I came into it, I think as an undergraduate at university and I was a suburban kid, The story, my family's story and, and my own path to agriculture, very common in the US. My grandparents were farmers and they, or grew up on farms, and they left the farm as soon as they could, um, and went to the city. And then, you know, my parents and and then myself, we were we were all raised to not think about farming as a as an option for a career. And uh, I was actually studying how I got to this specifically. I was studying landscape architecture. So you can see, or when I look back, I can see that I already was really interested in land and plants. And from my upbringing, uh, the only option really was to go into landscape architecture. Gotten into that program in college, took a soils course as part of that program and never looked back. It really, um, and I've never regretted that working in soils, working in agriculture and food systems, just ticked all of my boxes in terms of feel interesting work, um, never always satisfying and and also feels really, has always felt to me really useful and important work as well.
0: And how has that led you into all the different hats that you wear now? Because farming is (laughs) just one of them, right?
1: yes and so when you when i said farming i was thinking about it so so where i ended up in early in my early career was uh going through a masters and phd program and getting involved in very very early on in uh organic farming research so i became a soil soil science researcher cropping systems researcher so um wasn't farming in that early part of my my career. Um, and eventually, eventually got into doing more education, uh, research slash education. Um, and then during that time in my career, really wanted to try farming. I felt like it was really important to any other work that I did to actually have an experience farming. And so Um, And so I I got involved in a in a small farming operation and did grew vegetables and had some livestock for a small CSA. At that time, I was in the um, southern Appalachians uh, based in Asheville, North Carolina. And so I had that experience as well of um, just working in the season and working to feed people, very, uh, I, well, I was always drawn to that, but when I actually did it, it, it made, it it gave me the, all the experiences I thought it would in terms of just enriching all the other work that I've done, the policy work, the research work, education work, active, activist work, so it, it was a really important um, time in my career and and has really helped to shape me from then on. So, um, yeah, that's what I can share about that.
0: (laughs) That's really beautiful. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who now take care of and steward land that, that feel the same way through their own experiences. Yet I'm wondering in this time that you've been working in this field and helping out other people who manage land, take care of soil, you've probably seen firsthand all of the changes that are happening at the moment, not only in the economics of farming, but also the weather and the climactic changes that have been happening in the last handful of decades, especially severely. How has that affected the growers that you work with and your own farm? Much like you alluded to a little earlier.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I I have made Asking this question, how is climate change affecting farming a major part of my work, my professional work, over the last decade or so, a little bit more um, than that. And so I've, I've talked with a lot of farmers as, as well as worked in policy or with policymakers and educators to um, explore together. What it means to farm in a changing climate. Um, in more recent years, I really appreciate the language that the regenerative movement brought into the space of agricultural climate solutions, and thinking about um, how agriculture absolutely is contributing. Or I think it's it's unfair. I, I don't appreciate. Saying agriculture is contributing to climate change. I like to think about it as the way we eat is contributing to climate change, and agriculture can be uh, a solution to uh, part of the solution to climate change. So that uh, to me, that's a very uh, powerful way to frame the issues. and um, so over the last, little bit more than a decade. I've actually traveled around the U.S. and uh, interviewed farmers all over the country. I've also done, uh, taught or led different workshops around the country with farmers to find out, you know, to help them come up with a, or develop a climate risk management plan. So, yes, I have been in, in the company of many, many farmers by now and also technical advice Staff, So the folks that go out and and provide technical and financial advice to farmers about how to adapt or reduce reduce the risks of more variable weather to their Mm. operations. Um, And what I'm hearing, what I've heard, and it's been very consistent uh, over the time that I've done this work, is that more variable weather and extreme weather events are absolutely uh, stretching farmers in this country and certainly any reports I've read, uh, farmer stories from any other country around the world, no matter sort of the type of agriculture or the economic system they're in, I mean, that's a very consistent story. One thing that I think is interesting and I really appreciate about um, the fact that I got into this so early is that when I first started working on climate, and ag issues, I had to begin every presentation or every interview, every engagement of whatever kind I was doing um, with a, a short justification about the fact that climate change is happening, right? And, um, and in those early years, uh, very common to um, have people question why I was doing this. What? Why are we even thinking about adapting to climate change? And over the time, it, things have really shifted. And in particular, I'd say in the last two to three years in the US, the government has finally <laughs> come along, come along with this idea. And uh, I'm very excited about the potential moving forward. We really have got business and government and um, all sorts of sort of the nonprofit sector, public interest sector. Everyone is now on board with this idea that agriculture can be a source of solutions as well as it's a source of some of the challenges of climate change. Um, And I'm really looking forward to to the future uh and the last thing i'll say is and that is so satisfying because i think it's rare in these kinds of this kind of a space for um at least i'll put it this way it's rare in my experience to have the satisfaction of sort of starting out as as one of the few folks talking about this and then actually seeing a real change happen in in the space so i feel very grateful to have be still be doing this work in this time.
0: Laura, you were doing it before it was cool. Good for you. (laughs) Really, (laughs) I'm sure had a role in, in helping get these discussions on more of a common platform and more well recognized. And I'm wondering too, how you have seen the difference or the change in the way that farmers and growers are talking about this issue, uh, not only is it more accepted, but I would imagine they've been given more vocabulary and ways of articulating exactly how it's affecting them. How have you seen that change?
1: I have seen some change in that among growers. I think um, th- there's definitely been uh, advance in language. For example, a lot of the work that I do is has been really focused on providing new language for growers and farmers just to help clarify what's going on and what we can do about it. Um, But I, I hesitated there in answering the question because I do think that the farming community more generally still has not accepted the fact that this is a moving target it's not that we i hear a lot of discussion in in agricultural community or farming community about you know there's a new normal and and we have to adjust to the new normal um when in fact i i think i think it would be more useful for farmers and anyone who is interested in sustaining farming um to recognize that climate change that that these weather changes that are affecting farmers are going to get more difficult to manage, at least through the, the middle of this century. And so we need something more than, or I think it would serve farmers and everyone that depends on them much better if we recognize that it's not about adjusting to a new normal. It's about adjusting to a changing uh weather patterns that are going to get more intense and more difficult to manage uh it'll be more difficult to manage farming as we go at least through the the middle of this century and probably beyond because really the global community hasn't acted to to slow down emissions so you know that's the reality and that's sobering but i also think that we do have tools in agriculture to uh, manage those increased risks and improve the well-being of farmers and the land and the communities that they serve over time, and that's really the whole point of the, my book, Resilient Agriculture: Cultivating Food Systems for a Changing Climate. It it's uh, it was important to me to. Look for, or what I did early on in this work was I immediately, as once I understood the the implications of climate change to food and agriculture, my impulse was to go out and begin to collect tools that farmers and others could use to um, manage this increasing risk, and hey, while we're while we're at it, why don't we? Uh, actually increase the health of land people and community because we're going to need it we're going to need to be more healthy in order to be resilient to these changes. And and I'm happy to say I found a lot of existing tools there's a lot of great ideas out there and uh, about managing for health about managing. um, general resilience which which provides some protection from both expected and and unexpected disruptions and shocks and that all a lot of that work has been done in the past and I think it just we didn't need it or there was a there was a there was a sense that it wasn't that important in past decades but but it turns out that it's really useful now
0: and so to go back to what you were saying, that this isn't a, an adjustment to a new normal, rather than adapting their management techniques to catch up to where we're currently at, the idea is to get ahead of them and preempt them, I would imagine. And so with a view towards the coming decades, what should growers, farmers be aware of? And what are some of the things that they need to take account of in order to get ahead of this, the changes that are coming?
1: Yeah. Well, I think we can actually use what farmers are already already experiencing and, and describing. And I think the biggest challenge <clears throat> the biggest challenge ahead right now uh, in, in terms of climate or, or weather challenges is to is too much and not enough water at the same time in the same season. That's a, a fairly unusual challenge in agriculture. And so in terms of what we're dealing with now, that's a really important piece of the, of the challenge puzzle um, for future or what they wanna, what I recommend that farmers think about uh, um, in coming years is just to know that that challenge is going to get more intense. So um, important now to begin to think about how to, how to manage your landscape, maybe how to shape your land, um, how to create redundant sources of water, for example, for those dry periods, and um, for the wet periods, how to manage or shape your land to handle intense rainfall and all the um, high surface water runoff that can happen in those kinds of rainfalls. So think about managing your land to first um ex- accept and soak in as much rainfall as you can, and then also to um suggest to the runoff that does happen where it might go um in order to reduce or or in order to reduce possible damage from runoff and flooding i think I think a third point around this a third um general strategy around this issue of too much and not enough water is to begin thinking about how you're gonna retreat from floodplains. Pretty clear. It's beginning to, it's a, it's a common, more general climate change adaptation strategy, retreat from floodplains. And I think that agriculture is going to want to adopt that strategy as well. And that's pretty tricky for agriculture because some of the best agricultural land are those bottom, what we call bottomlands in the US, but those those um, relatively flat, relatively um, fertile uh, floodplain soils. But those, those positions in the landscape are going to become increasingly risky. They're gonna be damaged more often. And so operations, agricultural operations will have to think about retreating from those lands, um so those are those are just a few I'd say general ideas about the strategies that farmers who are going to be successful in coming years are going to have to think about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that covers some basic stuff, but the applications may look very different on specific farms. And before we go into more detail about this, I would love to know your own definition of resilience and the one the definition that frames the book that you wrote,
1: <laughs> yeah, um, simply put, my definition of resilience, which is rooted in social ecological resilience science, so there there are lots of there are several different parallel scientific disciplines that have all been developing resilience ideas around resilience, concepts and language and tools to manage, to measure and manage resilience. But the, every, everything that I talk about in the book and all of my work is rooted in social ecological resilience. And that's because social ecological resilience actually focuses on parts of our um, communities where humans and land are intimately interacting. So to me, that fits agriculture pretty well, and some of the other ways that folks are talking about thinking about resilience, they they really are not uh, a very good fit with agriculture. Um, so my uh, definition of resilience, rooted in social ecological science, is that uh, resilience describes a quality or behavior of a system like a farm, to be able to respond to disturbance in ways that reduce uh, the potential for damage, to recover when there is damage from uh, quickly and at low cost. And the most important piece is to recognize when change is needed and to start making those changes in preparation for the future. So that's the transformation. So there's there's three um, nice buckets or containers for those three ideas to respond, to recover, or to transform, begin transforming. Um, and I just gave you the names for those. So.
0: I love that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think what's what's, as I see the landscape of resilience thinking at the moment Um, I think what's really different about this definition is that most people when they speak about resilience are thinking about those first two, response and recovery. It's the the framing is we need to protect what we have now. And if it's damaged, we want to build it back. You know, and at best in the U.S., we think about building back better, (laughs) which is a which is absolutely an improvement over just building back. Um, but the piece that often gets left out of the discussion of resilience is this idea of transformation. This idea that we know enough now to begin to shift how we're doing agriculture. And I just gave you several examples of that in that thinking about that too much, not enough water. You know, H- How do we? How do we transform agricultural landscapes to make them better at soaking up and storing heavy rain, at um, being resilient to, or being uh, tolerant to drought? Um, And how do we transform landscapes to begin to shape where water moves, excess water moves across the landscape, and think about how we can store up that water as well, stop it from causing damage from runoff, and and turn it into a a benefit to farm, and also the the communities downstream. So those are all examples of transformation, specific practices that I see particularly becoming useful in coming years. Um, Again, around this too much, not enough uh, water, and also rising temperatures, more frequent and intense storms. So, So sort of a classic, example of our practice would be agroforestry so many aspects of agroforestry specifically address these these risks associated with too much not enough water and also more intense extreme events um, yeah i'll stop there and we can get more into the weeds there if you'd like
0: <laughs> yeah those are fantastic examples and in order to be able to break things down to exactly how this might look on a given piece of land or in a specific business. I'll use perhaps a term that you you've elected for your own book, which is uh, sensitivities. How can we break down by specific sensitivities and with the knowledge of those sensitivities, create resilience on the land and in the business?
1: Yeah. Well, the idea of sensitivities is just, um, Really, climate vulnerability, or, or you can think of it as, as climate resilience, in order to, to tease out the details on your own farm about your your that specific local vulnerability to climate change uh, to weather changes related to climate change. Um, there's this. There are these three parts. There's exposure, sensitivity, and then adaptive capacity. And so you're bringing up sensitivity. Exposure is the kind of weather that you experience in your place. Um, so it starts to get very specific and it has to be very specific. I think that's one of the the challenges uh, to, our, our, to modern culture in the idea of resilience, because we can't have one size fix, uh, fits all, there's no silver bullet, it really takes Engagement in the the local to be able to successfully design for resilience. So that's that's tricky for a lot of the way we think about agriculture. Um, however, to get back to it, so we have we have exposures which are just the weather. So that sensitivity piece is incredibly important because it what it means is it it invites you. To take a look at your landscape, your crop mix, your livestock, and figure out which of the many climate change uh, weather related climate change effects are going to, likely to create the most uh, disruption on your farm. That's what this idea of sensitivity is. You can use that word the way a good way to think of it is that you can ask the question, what is most sensitive on my farm to drought, or to flooding, or to wind, or to high temperatures in the summer. And so you can begin to, and you just work through a catalog of the assets on your farm, the crops, the livestock, the buildings, and figure out, for example, which parts of your farm are particularly sensitive to heavy rain or flooding. And so on. And, and you just move through and you're basically taking a, um, an inventory. What's on your farm? what are those what are, what are the um, highest risks or most important risks, weather related risks on your farm? So that's the idea of sensitivity. Um, and really, it's you're putting together that exposure, what kind of weather, sensitivity what on my farm how will my farm respond to that particular weather event and so that's kind of the bad news or i think of it as sobering news you know but to go through and carefully take a look at that really important and then you get to the good news which is and how do i reduce risk or enhance the capacity of my farm to um, respond in ways that that eliminate that avoid or or reduce damage? Um, Or um, how do I create a farm that if there is damage, I can recover swiftly and at low cost. So then we get back into that idea of response, recovery and transformation.
0: Well, Let's go right into that then. Let's talk about uh, how you can build adaptive capacity. What does that look like for different types of growers?
1: Yeah. So what that looks like is uh, pretty much what many folks are now calling regenerative agriculture. Um, and given the, the length of time I've been working in agriculture, other there've been other names for it, conservation agriculture, sustainable agriculture, organic agriculture, and that's all good. I, I, that when I said earlier, you know, when I started to look for tools that farmers could use to manage the effects of climate change. Um, And I said, I found a lot of good ideas that have already been developed. It was in all of those kinds of agriculture that I found those ideas. Um, So I'm comfortable with regenerative ag as as the the box or the container for these ideas. Um, I think in the US particularly, and perhaps in Europe as well, um i believe regenerative is going to shift to climate smart um but whatever the label i think it, it's pretty clear and i discuss this in the book um that no matter what you call it it's actually a fairly small group of practices that we know will build resilience on farms and so um some of the kind of poster you know high level practices to to build resilience or to uh, cultivate resilience on farms is uh, reduced tillage, cover crops. I mean, all these are going to sound very very uh, familiar, I think, to your to your uh, listeners. But uh, reduced tillage, cover crops, intensive grazing—that's um, where you move animals around your landscape. Um, on, in some kind of pattern that improves the health of the pastures um, uh, agroforestry that's a pretty good set of the four main practices that farmers can use. I mean there are some other ones that are are less commonly um, applicable to farming to 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 farm systems uh, like reduce reducing methane emissions from dairy farms and so we've have we have we've got some other there there's other stuff out there too it's not just for practices but i think for today we can really focus on that as as those are that's a good list or the beginnings of what i call a climate resilience toolbox so those are the those are kind of natural resource practices but it turns out that there's a lot of Management practices which really speak to the human side of agriculture and how humans manage landscapes that are also particularly useful to build resilience and what this means is that farmers are going to have to change the way they think about managing their farms and that and for any of us not just farmers changing the way you think can be a heavy lift sometime um, but we have tools there are tools to help all of us actually change the way we think, and they, a, a really rich set of tools resides in this uh, type of management, a management strategy called holistic management, and sometimes it's called whole farm planning. And and it, the, the power of whole farm planning or, or holistic management, particularly in this setting, or particularly when you're thinking about resilient agriculture, is that it takes you, it's a adaptive management strategy. It takes you through a series of steps that help you help you ex- articulate high level goals. So not, I wanna be a farmer, but instead what I want my life to be and how the farm can help me achieve those life goals, right? Uh, it takes you through that into looking at uh, the assets, you have available to help you reach that that life goal. Um, And in that part of looking at assets is where the um, thinking about exposures, sensitivities, adaptive capacity come in. You put a plan into action and then, and this is a critical piece that, that I think in coming years, we will all need to do better. Monitor the response of your system as you move forward. And in that way, you're both learning, continuously learning about your system, but you're also able to check to see if what you thought you knew about your system is actually true and also how can you fine tune? How can you tune up that system and continually going forward, uh, tuning up. There's a, there's a, um, a nice, there's some nice language or useful language uh, in my view, for this way of managing that's called circling forward. So you circle forward. And, and what that means is that you're continuously revisiting even as you're moving forward. And every time around the the circle, you if, if you're using this strategy uh, well, you're gonna learn something new that's gonna make the next circle even more successful. So that's that's just one example of some of the tools we have around um, that people can put into place that change their behavior, their management. Um, Another really important piece for coming years, and it's not minor or a little extra, is learning to uh, cope with loss, with grief, with stress. That's a really important piece of resilient agriculture is working, uh, using the tools that we know, and we have a lot of good tools for personal resilience or psychological resilience. Uh, Let's see if I've, well, and then kind of the last big, big piece, um, well, really there's there's kind of two. We'll call it, we'll call it one, sorry. (laughs) This is my I'm a recovering academic, so you just got a little bit of, of the You're doing
0: <laughs> fine. I'm fine. Academic right dithering,
1: side. yeah. Um the last piece, well we're gonna just call it social. Social piece, right? And so a really important piece of what I've learned applying resilience thinking to agriculture is just how important the community within which the farm resides is important to um, the farm's own resilience. So I think it's fair, it's very fair to argue, there's a lot of evidence that a farm on its own cannot be resilient. Um, It could be self-reliant, it could be a lot of things, but the resilience of a farm resides in the region or the community that it's in. And so I think that's actually great because what that says to me is that everyone, has a stake, anyone who eats has a stake in making sure the agriculture in their region or supporting the resilience of agriculture in their region. So what does that mean practically? Uh, it means getting involved in policy making around agriculture in your region. It means uh, making sure that you're supporting resilient farmers by purchasing their products and by creating places purchase those products. Um, it means um, all the ways that everyone outside of farming helps to shape the space that farmers have to move, to to uh, adapt, to transform. You know, we all have a, a role there, and it's really, it's a really critical role, actually, because farmers cannot do this alone. And the current, at least in the U.S., the current policy environment actually doesn't give farmers very much room to move. They can't be nimble, and that's what you need to be in order to be resilient. And so we definitely, there's work to be done, uh, important work to be done to, to create a bigger space for farmers to move, to give them more options, and also to support the changes they need to make on their farms. So that's that mm. social piece. So I've just talked a little bit about practices that enhance natural resource resilience, practices that enhance human resilience and the ability to manage a resilient landscape or resilient farm business. And then uh, social, the social side of all of this, which, which really is the container that farms operate within. So how do we change that, that bigger space as well?
0: Thanks once again to Laura. I'll be posting all the links to her book and website on the show notes for this episode, where you can also find all the previous episodes from the last five seasons. Now, before we wrap this up, just remember that these episodes are only the beginning of the ongoing conversations happening around these topics on the Regenerative Skills Discord server. It's always free to join, and it's also the easiest way to get in touch with me directly. If you're interested in helping to guide the direction and the focus of this show into the future or just get some feedback on your own projects and have some questions answered, it's all happening there. So come and join the growing community of Earth Regenerators on the forum by signing up through the link on the website or through our link tree on Instagram. And if you're already in the group and want to be eligible to win a copy of Laura's book, Resilient Agriculture, Cultivating Food Systems for a Changing Climate, just send me a DM through the discord letting me know that you're interested in order to be entered for the giveaway. Well, so that's our session for this week. Be sure to subscribe to this show and leave a review wherever you stream your podcast from so that you never miss an episode. And until next time, keep taking those little steps every day towards a regenerative future, and I'll be right by your side along the way.